two with your host. The hostess with the most is Shayla. And D. This is a show where Shayla provides her expert parenting advice. And then I tell you the truth. On today's show, we'll give a little background about ourselves and our family. We'll discuss raising socially conscious or woke children. We'll answer a couple of questions, those being disciplining toddlers. And actually, we'll talk about kids of all ages, middle child syndrome, and what's the proper age for children to start school. Of course, we'll give our mommy and daddy tips, our personal confessions, and our favorite child of the week. So to start, Shayla, give us a little bit of background about yourself. So um, I was raised in a two-parent household, um, an army brat. My father was in the military, so we moved. Um, My family's from St. Croix, so I'll call that home because that was the um, place that I knew I could always go to and still can. I have um, one sister. I went to... um, I graduated from a historically black college. I initially went to uh, UT Austin, which is a predominantly white school. And then I also graduated from um, nursing school. So now I am an ER nurse. Is that it? Yeah. That's all your song. Shayla left out that she's the best teen mother ever. I just want to put that out there. She's my favorite teen mom. She should get a TV show. (laughs) I was born in Nashville on a nice cold January day. Just kidding. Um, born in Nashville, I was a military brat as well. Um, I was in a lot of southern states. Uh, Memphis, Nashville, Alabama. Spent some time in Missouri. Not southern, but spent some time there. Alaska as well. I was in Nashville before, for most of elementary, and then in middle school, we moved to Jersey. So middle school, high school, first year of college, We're all in Jersey. Then I transferred to the HU, the best HBCU ever, Hampton University, and the rest is history. As far as us, we have five children that range in ages from 16 to three, two boys and three girls. I am currently a firefighter and an EMT. Anything else you'd like to share, Shelby? I went to. I graduated from Norfolk State University. I did not. Oh, say now that. you want to give shout outs? Um, so, <laughs> it didn't matter the first time. That's why she left it out. Yes. So I did graduate <laughs> from Norfolk State University. I failed to mention that. It wasn't a failure. I mean, you know, it's cool. You could have left that out, and it'd have been just fine. No, it's not. My bad. The kids know what's really going on. <laughs> okay, so our current topic today will be raising woke children. Shayla, do you, would you like to start on this, or do you want me to start on this? Sure, I'll start. Uh, I think I think it's important to you know let your kids know what's going on now in the world and in society, and even in their like area. And then also, well, what do you think woke is? Sorry to cut you off. Well, I'm not sorry, but what do you think woke is? <laughs> I know you're not sorry. <laughs> Um, I don't know what is woke. You you have the definition right there. No, I want to know your thoughts. Like, I, I, I How are you going to be looking at the definition and ask me why are, you, why are you yelling at me? I want the people to know uh, Let me Google opinion. woke so I can get it no, right, too. You don't too. have to Google it because, like you said, I have it right here. Well, you should tell the people. But the, alert, the illustrious Urban Dictionary, which is the foremost um, 
website states woke is being woke means you're aware knowing what's going on in the community is one being aware of social and political environments regarding all demographics and socioeconomic standings someone likened it to getting woke is like being in the matrix and taking the red pill you get a sudden understanding of what's really going on and find out you were wrong about much of what you understood to be truth see pretty much what i said and like i was going it's going in that direction anyway so yeah, like I was saying before, I was really interrupted. Um, what a mess. I I think that it is important to have your children know what is going on around the world and around their area, um, as well as what what you know as far as like the history happened in the past. So we so it's not repeated. I think it's really important for. Um, for kids to kind of understand, I mean, and this is all like socially social issues. I mean, of course, our two little ones don't fully understand what's going on. Um, our older ones do, and then even like our high schooler sometimes knows before we tell him what's going on. Um, but I think it's really important to just kind of like tell them what's going on, show them, explain to them, you know, what's wrong about the situation, what's right, what happened in the past that's similar to what happened now. Um, Kind of, kind of that. Just making them aware of life in general. Okay, so to add on that, to piggyback, I guess, um, I think you have to make them aware. Like, I think that it's our duty for them to be aware because if they know what's going on, they they understand. They're not caught off guard when eighteen they go out into the world or just when the world hits them in the face and. They're, they are the future, so they have to find a way to change it. So they have to start thinking about that earlier. So on, so piggybacking on that, how do you feel? What's your way of raising socially conscious children? Like, what do you think that you do? Uh, I mean, I think just, like, telling them if something's going on um, or happens... You know, like letting them know. They come home from school and we discuss it and we talk about it. And um, they kind of ask questions and they're able to to let us know how they feel about the subject. Um, and then um, also just allowing them to bring things up if they if there's something that they feel you know happened to them or that they heard about, they can kind of like openly discuss it to us so we can kind of break it down and let them know what happened or like Kingston and Bella they go to school they go to the library and um you know how you started the whole uh we're gonna research a African-American figure in history and they're gonna do like a little paper on them um that I mean that's good so it kind of gets everybody talking like oh you know what you know who I looked up I looked up this person and you know what they did they did this and then it was a good way to learn about new people that we haven't that we haven't even heard of and what they did so I think that's um, really important just kind of making sure that it just kind of permeates their life here and there so that they can really just like think about it whether they're with us or not um surprisingly you actually said what I was about to say so two great minds think alike do they we're, though? We're in tune, honey. <laughs> Are we though? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I think you have to be deliberate with embedding in them their royalty, like their greatness. Uh, I feel like current culture and society tells them that it it tells our young boys, our young 
are young men of color that they're basically thugs and goons and vagrants or they have to be athletes or musicians or entertainers. Our, our young women are told that they're just, how do I say this? Like they're just, their only importance is their body and their looks. That they're just gold diggers and they're out here to get money and or have money thrown at them. And that's all they're worth. They're materialistic. So if we're, if we're having them research kings and queens and their past and and on tv like we only see like there's that a lot of people were upset with roots and underground saying like everything we're only portrayed as slaves and whereas i think that's an important part of our history i i think that they're never talked about told about mansa musa or the kush dynasty or the, or the spanish moors or timbuktu or anything positive that our people have done over centuries and centuries we get one month and it's the shortest month in the, of the year and other than that like black history in school is literally we'll talk about Martin Luther King we'll talk about Rosa Parks we'll have we'll, we'll whitewash slavery and then that's all you're getting and you're talk about you're told about Thomas Edison and George Washington and Abraham Lincoln and even Christopher Columbus but you're not talking about people who look like you and even and this isn't just like a black white thing like we have our friends, our children's friends who come over and spend time at our house after school that, that are Mexicans. Shout out to the Calderones. <laughs> and we uh, have them. Re- I have them research Emiliano Zapata or Cesar Chavez, and, th- and this is stuff they've never heard of. And I mean, our children know nothing about their uh, Puerto Rican heritage because that's my bad. She, yeah, Shayla and her her side of the family has totally failed them. I mean, Shayla, her first language was Spanish. She's totally ESL in school. I was, <laughs> I wasn't really ESL. <laughs> so anyway, so Shayla's ESL, and our children maybe can count to ten in Spanish. Our oldest son took three years of Spanish and can't hold a conversation. He couldn't tell you what he wants to eat at a Mexican restaurant. He could barely tell you what he wants to eat in an American restaurant. So. <laughs> <laughs> So he doesn't communicate in either language. So <laughs> that's where we're on that. Um, I just think you have to be, like I said, deliberate about what you're doing. Uh, it, it, if the children, and this goes back to the last episode and talking about white dolls. If, if our children only see images of themselves in a negative light, whether either doing something criminalistic or they're being degraded, then they think that's what they are. And... Be it done purposefully or not, in school we're taught about the great founding fathers of this country and not taught about everybody who took part in building this country. So their books show white people and not many people of color, not many Hispanics, not many blacks, not many Native Americans. It just shows the white quote-unquote founding fathers of this country. And on TV... Most TV shows you're going to watch are going to show white people and not people of color. So how do you build self-esteem in children if you're not deliberately telling them that they're kings and queens and that they come from greatness and that they're meant, destined, and expected to do great things in the future? Uh, 
building self-esteem is, is very important, but building self-efficacy is even more important. And they have to know that they can, they have to feel that they can affect change. Otherwise, it's just a self-repeating, like horrible slippery slope where history repeats itself over and over again. So Shay, let me ask you this. How do you teach your kids about community activism? Um, I think, <clears throat> I think it's important to show uh, your children that, you know, they have a voice and that when things are happening that aren't right in their community or around them, whether it's to them or to other people around them, um, to, like, speak out. Uh, you know, you can, you can, of course, join a movement and, and you know, if you want to march or if you want to go to certain um, places. But even, I mean, like, closer to home, if you, even if something's going on with, you know, something at school and you feel like, you know, this isn't right, let's do this. I think it's, I think it's important just to tell your kids that when something isn't, um, when something's amiss, that you should definitely, like, pull together and pull your friends together and have um have a voice um i echo those sentiments i think to actually apply it to real world um activities i think we consistently um talk to our kids about donating about volunteering time we uh as a as their whole a team with their uh teammates in the basketball organization we put together blessing bags to get to homeless people. When there was the hurricane, we collected clothes and took them to Houston. I think self-awareness is definitely important. Um, but I think that's the difference with Kaepernick than other people who just have silent protests. Like, he's actually putting his money where his mouth is. And I think that's what we have to teach our kids about, to actually go out and help other people. Um, it's not just about help black people or help people of color. It's about help your community. What is pro-black to you um i mean i think pro-black is just being proud of who you are you know like making sure that you know who you are and being proud like overall of who you are and um i mean educating yourself on your history and um just kind of knowing where you come from so you know where you're going is pro-black anti-white to you? No. Um, I don't think pro-anything is anti-anything else. I think I think if you think, okay, you want to you wanna make sure you know who you are. So I'm like pro-black and I'm pro-Latina. You know, like you can be pro a lot of stuff without being anti-something else. I think um, you can be proud of who you are, where you come from, and, you know, the people like of your ethnic origin without being against somebody else before i respond to that let me ask you two questions one uh you said pro-black pro-latina what do you identify yourself as both i don't um i don't you know if somebody asks me like I hate the question, but they're like, what are you? And I say, I'm Puerto Rican and black. I don't, I never say just black. I mean, people, just at first glance, you know, I look black, but I definitely um, am proud to be both. So um, I identify as both. I don't feel like I, I don't feel like I should um, be more proud to be one versus the other. But do you not feel that you identify as black? I mean, obviously you're saying that you're both, but. Is there, you're, you're telling me that you equally identify with both? 
I mean, because I mean, I understand you're mixed. You're not like <laughs> you're not pure breed like me. Because twenty three and three, is it twenty three and me? Twenty three and me. Twenty three and me says that I am eighty percent sub Saharan West African. So I'm damn near pure. Shayla on the other hand is a mutt, so she has some internal conflicts that she has to deal with. Um, I think I identify with both. I mean, I think, of course, it's, um, especially since I dated such a strong African man. <laughs> yes, pure Nigerian is what you got here. Um, you know, of course, I think that aspect is um, probably... Um, more if we look at like complete split in half or if one is more dominant of course um, black is going to be the more dominant one um, but I, I I don't take away from you know that other side of me it's it's just I guess um, I need to be more um, proactive in like having um, especially the kids too, like having them learn about that aspect of their culture as well. You mean by proactive? You mean by doing anything at all? So my next question, still before my comment, uh, is since you said that pro one thing never means anti anything else, how do you feel about the term pro white? Um, pro. I don't know. I've never really heard pro-white. Okay, well then, rather than that, uh, let's say black power versus white power. It has a different connotation, though. Yeah, I mean, I so think why it's... why is that? I think it's history. You know, like, history um, has negative connotations of everything. So even if something at face value might seem innocent, based on history, it's not. So as far as, like, you know, white power has a very negative connotation to neo-Nazis, to lynchings, to KKK. So uh, that aspect is so negative that even now, it's it, it, if somebody says anything about white power, it's viewed as such. It's very negative. It's very anti-everyone else but them. Um, I think, as far as black power, I think, um, I think um, just blacks for a long time felt so powerless that we had to look within ourselves and realize like we do have power and that's kind of you know black power came where we just had to realize like we're more than what people have said that we are and we need to you know keep going on that um so do you feel like saying german pride or irish pride or italian pride or polish pride that's cool yes okay so then we're disenfranchised because we can't say well you can't say African pride because I mean I can't <laughs> but since we well, have African people are so, because of the, the African diaspora like our diaspora like we can't necessarily connect ourselves back to this particular tribe or this particular country so now we just have to call, like generalize and call ourselves black right I think that we lost I think blacks as a whole you know with slavery and everything we lost so much of our culture and so much of where we can't come from and the majority of black american blacks don't know their culture don't know if they're nigerian or ethiopian or um the greatness that is or, you know they don't know where people. they come from so it's hard to say you know oh i have nigerian pride i have this because you don't know where you come from but i think so you can say you know black pride but i think on the other side you don't really say that with any other like ethnicity 
Like, I don't say, I say, I'll say Puerto Rican pride. I'm not going to say, like, caramel pride, caramel, light, tan pride. You know, you're not going to say, you're not going to try to show the color. It's, it's black pride is the only one just because we don't under, we don't know where we've come from. So that we only have that grouping to be grouped against versus other cultures. Like I said, like my Puerto Rican side, I know I'm Puerto Rican, so I know I can have Puerto Rican pride. You know, or, you know, if you're Italian or if you're Irish or if you're German or if you're Chinese or if you're Korean, like you can have pride in that. And, you know, where you come from and, you know, your history and what to, you know, look, I guess I'm I have black American pride. I don't know. You know, it's it's like that because this is this. I know we've come from here. I don't know as far back as before we were here where we came from. So. Hence why I feel like black pride is okay, whereas white pride is not. Right. Got you. So you're saying that then it's in turn our job as parents to do the research, especially since now we have Ancestry.com and 23 plus 23andMe or whatever it is to actually do the research so we can in turn learn our background and then share those cultures with our children. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's very important. Okay. My thing in response to all that because those are just questions is to me true happiness is love and so for us to be really happy we have to feel love and to truly just be happy we have to be filled with love and the first love is like self-love so you can't really love yourself if you're kind of disenfranchised and not sure of where you come from so to me that's why like black pride is important that's why knowing where you're from like that's why knowing your past like if, if our daughters go to school every day and their hair looks completely different than all the other the, the predominantly mexican and white girls that they go to school with well they're gonna always have a problem but if they know madam cj walker or they know different things and how beautiful they are and those that have come before them then that's self-love and so that's pro-black and i don't like i mirror all your other sentiments for the first time we agree on something uh last part of this is how do you raise your kids to be inclusive and see the positives in all cultures um i think that's in you know one i think the big thing is just having children of other races and cultures um around them like for instance um our second child plays basketball and his basketball team is very um mixed you know it has very diverse very so um it has a few people and i realized that our kids and um their friends like this is a few years ago when um kingston it's funny kingston didn't realize he was black um and he was maybe in first grade maybe and um and he's like i'm black and he looked at the color of his skin like but i'm not black not realizing it wasn't the color of his skin um that we were you know referring to you say black and you know kids automatically think of a color but what was also funny was that his friend um uh when i don't know what we were discussing or how it came up when he found out kingston was black he said what kingston's black <laughs> it's like no one knew no one knew and i think also to that to that same sentiment um maybe a year or two maybe two year or two ago kingston's friend who's mexican kingston says um they've been fr- they've been friends for years kingston said he's mexican 
what? And then he asked, is Trump going to send him back to Mexico? And I told him, no, they were, you know, uh, they were citizens. But it was just funny to see, like, kids don't understand race, of course. And they don't understand, like, they can see their differences. But everybody, nobody, like, in our family, no one looks exactly the same. You know, there's different shades, there's different hair types, there's different color. And that's just like, as you go out, it's the same thing. Of course, everyone looks different. No one looks the same. So I think it's important to show, to have your kids around different people of different cultures. So they can say, you know what, my best friend is Mexican. And maybe, you know what, I'll learn something about, you know, Mexicans. Or, you know, my best friend is, um... Is white or you know American descent like me? (laughs) Yeah, or you know, or my best friend is Puerto Rican or my best friend is Asian. You know, I think it's important when they have people around them that are very diverse that they they in turn um, they kind of internalize that as you know what I want to I want to know about them like I want to go here I want to learn about these you know these people or I want to uh, it's more of like a respect for different cultures when you have your kids around other people i think our kids and their friends are basically the united colors of benetton like they are definitely a multicultural medley which is in essence dr king's dream like they judge each other by the content of their character not you're too dark or you're too light or you're too this or you're too that it's really like i mean at the end of the day for the boys it's like can you can you play ball if you can play ball you're cool with me now if i find out you're a jerk maybe you're not so cool but i'll still hang out with you but like i said our our, our youngest son his best friends are a Mexican kid, a white kid, and a kid who is maybe second generation Nigerian, second or third. Um, and they just, they respect each other for, for who they are, not for how they look. And I mean, ultimately, that's what we seek to achieve in life. I think the problem is as adults, when we get older and we fall into the pitfalls of the past and don't actually consistently try to change things. How do you feel about your kids having like dating outside of their race i'm mixed i'm a my i'm i'm puerto rican and black so honestly i don't care i always told them you know i don't care who you date i just care that you love them and they treat you good like i don't care i don't care what they look like i just care how tall um, they are <laughs> yeah like, i don't. breed for size i teach my children to breed for size i need a seven footer in my family before i pass like a grandkid a great grandkid or something but I don't care how she looks, just make sure she's six foot plus or he is. I tell my daughters that whoever they marry has to be taller than them in their tallest pair of heels. And my sons just need to get a six footer and we'll have giant grandbabies. (laughs) So I just want them to love them. I don't care what they look like. To our questions, how would you avoid middle child syndrome? Um, Just have an even number of children and then... (laughs) You don't have a middle child. There's two, and they can just. Literally, like, I put this question out here so y'all see, so y'all would hear the stupid <laughs> shit that Shayla says. What? No, that I have this to deal is, with. I'm it. spitting that knowledge. <laughs> you have a middle child if you have an odd number of kids. That's why I wanted an even number. And of course, now we don't have that, so we do have a middle child. But I think honestly, so there's a six one coming. It's basically just telling you just to stop um, middle child syndrome. That would have be a, a negative. Um, I was fixed. Yes, I said fixed because we had five and that was like a litter. So this so goes back to me I, telling you that society tells our, our women 
that they're less than. So Shayla's talking about herself like she's an animal that she was no, fixed. No, I had a litter, um, and so now I'm now we're done. Anyway, I think yes, I've always wanted I always wanted to have an even number of children so we wouldn't have a middle child. I think the way I think now <clears throat> Bella's actually the middle child, but I think everybody's like spread out. So I think it's the middle middle child syndrome is probably more. Um, prevalent if you have kids kind of really close together so they're all like you know a year or so apart so then they can really know like you know what I'm in the middle and I don't have this person to hang out with or I don't have this person like for us between our oldest and our second is six years the middle two we call our twins they're super close less than two years 18 months and then the lat and then there's four years between them and then the last two so even though Bella's the middle child it's not really like she's the middle child because she has Kingston and then um, you know the little girls come after her but I think um, I think it's important to just be like inclusive with everyone especially like say you have three kids and I think the middle child syndrome is probably more pre- prevalent with three kids versus um, like more than that versus like if you have five or so I think um, if you have three kids, you always say like, oh, this is my firstborn and that's my baby. You know, so you kind of like separate those two. And then the middle one's kind of like, well, hey, what am I chopped liver? So I think it's just important to be inclusive with all of them and not um, like separate them. And if you do just like separate them and treat them um, equally important. So the middle child doesn't feel like, well, like what the hell? I just kind of you know what like y'all didn't really want me here I'm just kind of like stuck in the middle (laughs) so uh, I think that's important just kind of making sure that you don't um exclude them and stuff and maybe don't like you know continuously say like oh it's my firstborn and this is my baby and all this because it does it will exclude them so the only thing that you said that anybody should listen to is the last part about don't exclude them or have an even amount like I, he's not he i hope y'all are listening because he is not have an even amount of children have two kids or if you have a third one then have a fourth i think you know that's, that's good or spread them out you don't have a middle child cool. you know th- if I'm, you spread them out you don't have a middle child so if you have three kids six years apart each then there's no middle no, child there's a middle child but i'm saying if you spread them out like you know like we did I think I think maybe maybe like that's why I said if it's three it's more of like that middle child is a middle child but it's five like who who's really like hold on oh there she is in the middle like she didn't realize that she didn't realize she's like the middle child there's so many kids around her she didn't know what's happening at some sometimes she probably wishes she was the only <laughs> child like, absolute nonsense I like, think what the fuck even talking? number this is nonsense even number of kids that's the way to go bro or just treat them all the same. If you have three and you want to roll out with three, you know what? Don't like, don't separate them. Don't exclude that middle child. Don't count your kids. Don't have even numbers. And you can't treat your kids all the same. That's absolute nonsense. You can't treat your kids. I'm not all saying the same. treat them the same. I'm saying treat them as important as the next. You don't treat your kids the same. You treat them differently based on personalities and so what, what their needs. So what you're saying now is that you can't effectively communicate your. your you know thoughts. what? I think. Um, I think we're talking about what you feel. I don't. I don't know that you said your point. Yeah. What are, What are you saying right I now? I feel like you're rebuttaling mine and not speaking. Not rebuttaling it because you're still talking. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> to avoid middle child syndrome, you you pay all your children equal attention. You focus on them as their individuals. That's what I said. 
Yes, I did say that's what you said, but you don't effectively communicate your point. I definitely said the last part of what you said made sense and everything else was absolute nonsense. Having uh, having four kids isn't going to stop some child out there feeling like they're left out. The middle child syndrome is just, or quote unquote middle child syndrome is just a child feels like he's left out because the firstborn was the firstborn. That's usually mama's baby. And the last one is the baby of the family we're not going to have anymore, so we treat them. The second one usually comes on the tail of the first one and it's kind of like been there, done that. But by the time you get to the last one, it's like, oh, I'm never going to be there and do that again. So now I want to cherish everything. So that middle child feels like they were left out. So you can have four kids, you can have two kids. If one kid feel like they were, if one kid feels like they were left out, then you're going to always have that problem. Treat like treat them all as individuals, pay attention to whatever it is that their interest is and and invest yourself wholly in whatever their particular interests are. If you can make them all like the same thing, then that's great. But if I have one child that wants to be a ballerina and one child who wants to play the clarinet and one child who wants to play football, well, I need to invest myself equally into all those endeavors. And, and regardless if I hate ballet or I think they suck at the clarinet, I'm going to listen to them, I'm going to help them, I'm going to pour into them whatever I can so they feel like their needs and wants have, are being met and they're not being left out. It has nothing to do with the amount of children that are that reside in your house. So yes, like I said, the last 30 seconds of what you said made sense. The first eight hours of it were absolute nonsense. Lies. Okay, next question. <laughs> what an ass. Okay, so the next question is on education. Someone says, I've been reading some info lately about when children should begin school. I would want to get a different perspective, perhaps from better performing school models around the world as to what seems to be the most successful way to begin the educational process. Do we really need to start with our industrial education learning at such a young age, or would it be more beneficial to foster creativity and character development first? So I think it is important to foster creativity. Um, I think it's a little young, um, five, four or five is a little young to have um, you know, real structured school and class. Um, I do feel, you know, that kids should learn kind of their basics. Um, but I also, I, but I feel that they should learn their basics for a short time and then have more like creative time and creative play throughout the day. Um, I know like other places in Europe kind of, um, you know, sometimes do it differently. For I think for us, in the United States, we don't have um, as much support when it comes to child rearing and kids. So we don't have, you know, we have to pay for daycare, which is an arm and a leg until they start school. So everybody's in a rush to put their kids in school because it's free. So um, I think that maybe if they offered, you know, like, you know, some places do offer like pre-K or kindergarten, maybe like during those, those years, it should be more creative. You know, they should have more like outdoor play, um, out gardening, you know, kind of stuff that they can like work with, have like a short time in school, have nap time, but not so much structure that, you know, like, and, and not have structure and not have tests, um, because that kind of fosters, um, like anxiety, you know, as soon as you start having tests and like everybody's, everybody's like afraid to fail or afraid to be wrong. Like, I think it, it's good. It's good to, to, I think it's good to have school, but I do think at the younger years, they should have more creative play and more time to just be creative and, and 
than have like sit down structured, write this, do this, um, here's the test. I think it should be more, um, more about creativity in their younger years. I think it's a case by case basis, really. I, like in my research, there's a big movement called redshirting, which kind of piggybacks off of college uh, athletics where they redshirt freshmen, meaning they're in school for a whole year, they're practicing, they're going to school, but they're not playing. And it gives them an extra year of eligibility, basically. So people are redshirting their children and they're starting kindergarten a year later. Uh, the statistics show that it's mostly boys. Uh, I think it's about double, actually. And I think this is because boys are more kinesthetic learners. Like, they move, they need to move. Girls can sit down. I think just in regards to what I've seen in my house. My oldest son literally used to just run from door to door in the house, back and forth, back and forth. Boys tend to move more. Girls can sit down and have tea parties. And, and, our, and our boys did the same. Our boys had tea parties and played with dolls with their sisters. But they're more active. They want to run. They need to do stuff. So I think changing the school model uh, would help more so than changing the start age. I don't have an issue with people starting their kids later, and I think it's mostly uh, summer birthday parents that, that do it. Uh, we have two kids that are summer birthdays and will graduate high school at 17. Had we started them school later, a year later, they would graduate at 18, which is the same age as everybody else. In the starting later thing, I think more importantly than starting school a year later, I think starting school later in the day is important. Uh, especially for teenagers who need more sleep. I think that would help. But focusing more on creativity is a great thing. I think schools should change their learning formats. I, I know as far as my kids' school that everything is kind of generated around taking the state test. And I, it was like that when I was in school. So we're teaching the test more than we're just teaching. I think if we focus on creativity, we, we have a quicker path to finding out kids' strengths and weaknesses, their likes and dislikes, and you know what their future may hold. I think a lot of kids learn through song and dance more, and that should be something I think children should, basically ways to use their hands. Like at a younger age, we should focus more on doing things, on planting gardens in your community, on building things, on fixing things. Um, so they'll be more self-efficient. And I think the community aspect goes back to our, our prior topic of social consciousness. Because if we are teaching all our children to be proud of who they are and to have a sense of community, it comes back to what are you doing for your family? What are you doing for your community? What are you doing for your people, for your city, for your country, for the world? And that's much more important than A's B, knowing your, your letters and numbers, which is really all you're doing in kindergarten is learning colors and shapes and letters and numbers. And so most of us are putting our kids in pre-K so they learn that stuff early. And then these kids that are learning earlier tend to just be sitting in class doing busy work because now we're trying to catch the other kids up. Our last question, what's the proper way to discipline toddlers? I think, um, I think it's like based on the kid. Um, like I think being um, having five kids that have went through the whole toddler phase and one kind of still in the three-year-old kind of preschool, little past the toddler stage. But I think um, the boys more so. We had 
um, we spanked. I think um, our oldest, I remember when he was about 18 months to two. It started at 18 months for him. Um, so the terrible twos were like terrible, like 18 months on. And he, I remember he used to bite all the time. So I used to just bite him back. And if he bit me hard, I'd bite him hard. And then eventually he stopped biting me. And then he, of course, he would still bite other people sometimes. So I would tell them, bite him back. Or, you know, I'd like pop his hand. Um, the king's in the same thing, I think, boy. boy. <laughs> Hold on, wait. You're saying your son just bites random people and you just tell random people to bite him back. Well, no, not random people, but like, like hey, ladies, grandmas, uh, grandma, hey, grandpa. Back. So you're telling, you're telling grandparents to take the dentures out and just snap them on the kid's leg. And they didn't have dentures. I'm t- like, my parents, I would tell, like, they, he went to St. Croix with them when he was two and he bit and he bit my grandmother and... Um, I think he even made her cry, which is very sad because um, grandma's always so happy. So anyway, I had told them, you know, bite him back or pop him, like do something. I think they raised girls. So it was a little, it's a little uh, like a little shock to them to have this little two year old running amok. Um, but I think with with the boys, it was more like spanking or like um, um Having like they were just like wild all over the place, even with Kingston. Spank a lot of kids. Yes, yeah. I, I think this is who's, my time. Whose kids are these that you're spanking? I have the mic right now. You sure do, buddy. So with the boys, it was more about spanking, and even now, like where it comes to Kingston, um, it's more spanking. But I think with the girls are a little different. Um, I think the girls. Um, I think you, you know, with little girls, little toddlers, even if you barely like pop their little hand, they start crying. They're kind of more emotional than the boys are. So um, with the girls, it didn't take as much, but with when they were um, like toddlers, younger, they had more, um, like they would cry and like try to fall out. That it didn't last. <laughs> that didn't last too long, thank God. But they would try, cry and try to fall out, and you like either you know completely ignore them if that's if that if you're able to do that. Um, you can also try like you know like I I would pop um, pop their little hand, and they seem to like go crazy, even though it was like a light pop, just from I guess the um, the fact that I did that with a stern voice. Um, I think. Um, Ro was a biter and she would bite um, she tried to bite me and I bit her back with Katie she's a little bully so she definitely bit and hit her um, quite quite a bit and um, uh, I told Katie to bite her back hit her back um, it, we're still working on that because Katie doesn't like to do that and Ro is still kind of a a mini bully to her at times um, when we're not looking of course but um, I think with toddlers, it's and even with as kids get older, it's kind of you have to go based on the kid and and what they um, what they react to. Like if they if they if you you spank, and some people don't spank, but if you spank, you know maybe you you know spanking is good. But with the girls, it's not as um, effective as with the boys. You know, like sometimes with them, you like take stuff away. Like with Bella. You gotta take stuff away from her. Stuff that she likes, you take it away from her. Um, and so I think it's it's age appropriate, of course, but it's also like kid appropriate. Every kid is not gonna um, be able to be disciplined exactly the same every single time and you get the same result. So I think you have to like look at that as well. So first let me say this. Shayla's basically telling you what she saw on a TV show. 
Shayla what? doesn't punish any child. Hey. Shayla, yes, Shayla yells really loud, and they all look at her like she's a weirdo, and then wait to see what I'm gonna do. Um, yeah. And I, and I, I want to put it out there. I punish. I want to put it out there before y'all call CPS. I never bit any child. <laughs> that was Shayla. Mm. And if you check teeth marks and dental records, like I never bit totally, that hard. That's totally on Shayla. The the thing about it is, <clears throat> as I stated previously, children are pack animals. At least I, not even gonna say at least our children. All children are pack animals. So first, you have to distinguish yourself as the alpha of the pack. That's one. So, in our pack, Shayla, no, like no one listens to Shayla. Shayla, do you dispute this? She's quiet, and that means they listen that I'm sometimes. No one listens to Shayla. Our sometimes. dog doesn't listen to Shayla. The kids don't listen to Shayla. Not as much as they listen to him, but sometimes. So, why sometimes you're throwing like 15 percent out there? No. Shayla has to repeat herself very, extremely, excessively loud to get anybody to acknowledge the things that she's saying. I tend not to have to do the same. But it's because that comes from consistency. So you have to be consistent on whatever form of discipline it is. I am a firm believer in physical punishment. <clears throat> Spur the rods, pull the child. I'll probably say that every single episode. But that's not every single thing. It is a case-by-case basis, and Shayla is correct in having to learn to treat children different as i said before i'm talking about the middle child syndrome like you have to learn what truly affects and works on each individual child but as far as toddlers and as far as children in general your discipline has to be consistent whatever your method is if you choose to not physically punish your children and your thing is to take their iphone away which i don't feel like they should have iphones but that's just going on in my house because i can't afford five children having iphones but if it's time out in a corner, if it's extra chores, if it's scrubbing the walls, if it's spanking, no TV, no video games, whatever it is, it has to be consistent. I think the problem with most most people and their toddlers is you look at them like, and this is usually a female thing, you look at them like, oh, that's my baby. He's so cute. She's they so, are cute. so cute. I love him so much. And look how sad they look when I tell them no. But you need to look at them like the little terror that they are and shut that shit down ahead of time. Like you have to be a fortune teller. You have to see what's coming and what's at the edge of that cliff and not let them push you to that point. See it coming, cut it off early, be consistent, and they'll get the point. When they know they like everybody in life pushes limits. Everybody pushes the envelope because you want you want to push your limits. You want to see how far you can do. You don't want there to be a glass ceiling in your in your job. You you don't want to be pigeonholed in any other arena of your life. And your children are the same. Like they don't want to be pigeonholed, but they do want discipline. They want to know what the boundaries are, and they're still gonna consistently try to test the boundaries, and you have to consistently be on them about what the boundaries are. Now, as they get older, their boundaries are going to increase. We spoke last episode about kids touching the stove. Well, I don't want the toddler touching the stove, and we talked about them helping cook. But by the time our our nine-year-old, our 10-year-old, they come home, they make food for themselves. Our five-year-old and our three-year-old can go in the pantry and grab snacks. Our, our 16-year-old is at the point where sometimes we make him cook dinner. So obviously those boundaries 
like expanded, but there's still boundaries and we're still consistent and clear what those boundaries are. But at the end of the day, they're pack animals and you have to understand that you have to establish yourself as a leader of that pack from day one and consistently. Don't let them get away with it today because they're cute or because you're tired or because you just can't today because they're going to remember that and they're going to know that I can keep pushing and then tomorrow when now you're serious, well, I pushed you yesterday and I got my way, so I'm going to keep pushing. No, I agree. I'm not as consistent as I should be. I often can't adult, so... um, I pass that book on to D, but um, I'm working on that. I'm working progress. Maybe I'll get it before the youngest is 18. <laughs> but I, I think another way to handle it, if you have multiples, that you treat them like a team. We have five kids. They're a basketball team. We got to start in five. So basically, if one person acts out, I'm punishing the team. So then they start to correct one another. Like we were supposed to get ice cream I promised them ice cream the other day and one of them had a bad attitude and we discussed attitude and effort being where it needs to be and when it's not when it's then the goal isn't met then we have issues there so because one child had a bad attitude and gave poor effort in what we were doing nobody got ice cream so now they're gonna all correct like it's your fault you need to get it together take care of that and then they'll remember the next time when it's on them do you want to be the reason why nobody gets ice cream so it's it's teamwork. It's, it takes a community. It takes a village, and that village is their their peers. Because children are going to get to a certain point where peer pressure is a thing, and sometimes it's a good thing if you put them around the proper peers and and it provides the right peer pressure. And peer pressure is even with toddlers. We'll discuss potty training in a later episode, but all our children were easily potty trained because they went to daycare and because they had older siblings. Who were who used the bathroom the proper way and didn't pee in their didn't piss on themselves, so it made it easier. Like they tend to follow the behavior. So with disciplining your toddler, what other toddlers are they around? My kids come home and throw temper tantrums because they saw a kid at school do it, and I had to go ahead and remind them in a way that only I can remind them that yeah we don't do that here. That's not going to get the desired outcome that your little friend at school got. So go ahead and cut that short. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> this is true. Just uh, be careful who you're on the team with. Shayla, what's your mommy tip of the day? <laughs> I forgot what <laughs> This is the shit I deal with right now. <laughs> I had it. I had it all before right now. So, okay, you do your daddy tip. So my daddy tip. <laughs> This is, this, is, this is what I'm dealing with right here. But see, so my daddy tip is to read more. Read more books on, read books on parenting. Read books on self-esteem. Read books on whatever your um, ethnicity is. If you're German, read books on great Germans. Steer clear Hitler. Matter of fact, don't steer clear Hitler. Let your children know about Hitler and the negative parts of your history so they understand what happened and ways that they can make sure it never repeats itself. If you're Hispanic or if you're you're Mexican, read about Mexicans. Teach your kids about their culture, but also teach kids about other cultures. Now, one book in specific that everybody should read that's not a cultural thing is Grit. Read Grit, read it twice, highlight it, underline it, dog ear pages. 
It's a great book. It's very important in raising your children. Now, in saying this, no one is truly an expert on your child. So being that they're not an expert on your child, you take everything you read with a grain of salt and you need to mold it to fit your situation. You, you back with us now, Shelly? Yes, I am back. So my mom tip is to just make time for yourself. So if, you know, if you have toddlers or you have little kids and they're driving you crazy, especially if you're a stay-at-home mom, you know, just like step away, whether it's like you're going grocery shopping by yourself or you're going to walk around Target by yourself or you're going to go get your nails done or you're just going to go to lunch. Just I think um, or you just eat crab like, legs in the closet so nobody yes, knows by yourself. So I think just whatever it is, just make some time for yourself, whatever it is you want to do. If you just sit at home and you're like, I'm just going to sit at home in the quiet by myself, then do that. But just make sure that, you know, ever so often, especially when you're kind of like at your wit's end and you just don't want to adult and you're over it, like just take some time just for yourself. Like you don't, you don't need to be with your significant other. You don't have to be with friends just by yourself, just kind of. Be by yourself and woosah. Okay, do you have your mommy confession or do you need time? I need a minute. <laughs> so, okay, my daddy confession is that I hate babies. Actually, let me walk that back. I don't hate babies. I'm indifferent towards babies. I can do without them. I'm not a fan of holding babies. I'm not a fan of babysitting or just spending excessive time with them I'll say that the only true like babies infants that I've spent time with are my kids and my nieces and out of those like my kids obviously I love them like I made them they are of me and I'm going to make sure that I'm imprinted upon them and like I, I do my part as a dad half from day one and always will um, but babies are boring they don't do anything they just shit on themselves and like drink milk. Like they're really bad like takers. They're not givers. They're not giving me anything. They're just making me do things for them and I don't really like those type of relationships in life. They're I try giving to you cuteness and smiles and cuddles. I, I can get you. cuteness and smiles from pictures. No, not as much as I can get, I can buy a puppy and he'll cuddle with me and then I can go running with him. We can play fetch. Nonetheless, you focus on remembering what your profession stop it. Um, the only baby that I that I really, really was fond of is my niece. She's she's my second niece. She was the best baby ever. Absolute, absolute joy to all to be around. I enjoyed having her. My kids were awesome. Awesome babies. They're my kids and I love them. <laughs> um, now, once they get to the crawling phase, um, toddlers, I love them. When we can communicate, I'm big on communication. I, I'm big on you being able to express to me what your likes and dislikes are and understand whatever it is I'm expressing to you. And you just crying because something's wrong really bothers me. I don't really deal well with crying. So yeah, that's that. Um, I hate babies. Your mommy confession. Okay, so my mommy confession is I absolutely hate doing hair. Like, absolutely loathe it. We could tell. And I have um, three girls with a ton of hair and a boy with dreads. And I have to do all of their hair. And it's but that's absolutely what you awful. wanted, though. 
Um, I thought this was my mommy tip. So Shayla literally picked every Apparently kid. It is not Shayla literally picked every kid. Like you literally tip. said, I want a boy. I want another boy. I want a girl. I want this one to be a girl. I want this one to be a girl. No, like, the last exactly one I wanted a boy. So the last exactly I love Royal to death, but I did want her to be a boy because I did not want. And he was gonna have short hair. There was gonna be no more dreads. And Ro was gonna be a boy if I could have picked it. And I love her, and she's awesome. But I hate doing hair. I hate doing my own hair. So I hate doing their hair. So sometimes I have to like bust open a glass of wine and drink a glass of wine before I have to do their hair. They are all tender-headed. It is drama. Bella used to sit, used to scream, help me. Katie still screams for people. It is, I have to sit on the floor and wrap my legs around them. I just, it is the worst. It is, and then today is probably some hair day. Yeah, and it's gonna be awful, and I have to work tonight. So that's my mommy tip. I mean, my mommy um, confession. I hate doing hair. It's awful. So to backtrack, if you ever see me out with my girls and their hair looks a mess, it's because Shayla does their it's hair drunk. He... It's because Shayla does their <laughs> hair drunk. Like literally, she just told you. She I don't drinks do it drunk. One, she drinks a bottle of wine while she does their hair. So if you're good at math and she off. has and she has three daughters and she does all their hair on the same day, she drank three bottles of wine. <laughs> To do I don't hair. drink that much wine. Shayla drinks, I never drink, drink and do hair. I drink a glass of wine. So when you see them out in their hair is a mess, it's that not my fault. Daddy it's took it Shayla out. Did it drunk. D took it out and he thought it was cute. Because and Shayla then it looked drunk. crazy. Because Shayla did their hair drunk, so I couldn't walk in the street with them like that. So I just took it out and let it let it flow freely. And um, just to to for the end, we have a um, surprise guest speaker at the end. Just FYI to throw it out there. <laughs> does that have to do with anything? I don't know. We're, are we done with? I'm done with my mommy tip. That's why I threw it out there. Okay. Who's your favorite kid of the week? Um. So mine is Bella. Bella. Um. She's been. She's been doing pretty good. Like she helps make. Um. The little girls' lunches. Um. She came home yesterday really emotional. She said her BFF was mean to her and said not to talk to her. And then she lost student council. And then there was waterworks. And I told her, you know. You gotta put your big girl panties on, and you don't, you know, you don't, you shouldn't let people treat you like that. So I said, so if she talks to you again, you need to say, you know what? I don't want friends that treat me how you treat me. And I and I told her like friends won't treat you like that. If if you feel bad, if a friend treats you bad, she's not your friend. Um, but so she kind of she took a nap when she got home. She woke up fine. Woke up today fine. She went to school, no issues, no problems. She didn't say anything about it um and she definitely helped you know still get um the girls lunches so i think she's just doing awesome at big at her big sister role and um she's probably one of of my two really emotional kids and i um i think she did really well just by kind of i mean she cried it out and then she's like i you know put a big girl panties on and she went to school like nothing so we'll see how it is today after school so if you're really about that life, you just showed her punch that little bro in her face. No. I'm just saying. Queen's sister was emotional because we weren't, because I wasn't home. She would have been emotional either way. We would have talked it out. We did talk it out. We talked, okay. talked it out. Daddy, through, daddy favorite. Through, through tears. Daddy kid of the week. So anyway, my favorite child of the week is our middle daughter. Um, she's really, she was really excessively reluctant to start school. She didn't want to leave her Mother's Day Out program. She didn't want to, quote unquote, learn. 
uh, as we, because we consistently try to go over letters and her writing her name and other words and everything, and she just didn't like the difficulty of the whole entire situation. And as Shayla said, Shayla said that two of our children are emotional, but really, like, they're all emotional, because... I'm an emotional person, Shayla's a, a very emotional person, and so that just through our DNA has created a household of very emotional people who handle their emotions in different manners. And we have children who really, really don't like to fail, because um, they're, they're generally good at things, and things come easy, and they don't like to fail. So I consistently put them in situations so they will fail, um, read grit again. But our middle daughter is, is my favorite child of the week because she truly flipped and she really is loving school and she's excited and she wants to come home and she's asking to do homework now and she wants to do extra work and every day she wants to read a book and she wants to try to write and she, she's just really taken to it. She really loves school and that really excites me. Uh, her thirst for knowledge is great. But she's not the middle daughter. She's like the fourth. We have four daughters. The middle daughter. Oh, I'm thinking middle kid. Shut your mouth. Like, you realize, I literally just said our middle daughter. I stopped listening. listening. I have a problem. So you're not listening, and you're cutting me off, which you just seem to have a problem about. So all the listeners out there see so the problems we have. Shayla, like, do we really need to go back and record? Like, <laughs> and, like time how much like you talked? So anyway... In closing, I'd like to thank you for listening again to It Takes Two. Um, we'll try to come with this every week. I want to give you one of my favorite quotes. It's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. And we're just here to sharpen our tools and hopefully help you do the same. So fill up your toolbox. And as always, thank you for listening to It Takes Two. My, my dad is so big because he signed. Okay. Hi, Roro. Is it Ariel? How old are you? Three. You're such a big girl. So, would you consider yourself, do you think you were a terrible two or a three-nager? A three-nager. Mm, do you always listen to mommy? Not all the time. Why? Because. Because what? Because I don't, I want to listen to daddy what he says. Oh, but what if you don't, do you always listen to daddy? <laughs> what happens when you don't listen? I get a pop-pop. You get a pop-pop? Okay, so do you remember, Ro, when um, when you used to bite Katie? Remember? What did we used to tell Katie to do? Bite me. And did she bite you? Yes. Do you bite Katie anymore? No. No, why? Because you don't want to get bitten? Yes. Yes. You want to get bitten or you don't want to? I don't want to. Yeah, no, because you, you got to listen, right? <laughs> when when you get a pop-pop, do you stop doing what we told you not to do? Mm, no. No, you keep doing it after your pop-pop or you stop doing it? I do do it. <laughs> but after you get a pop-pop, do you keep doing it or you stop? I yeah, because you don't like pop-pops, right? Mm-mm. And you got to listen to mommy. <laughs> okay, Roro, do you have anything you want to tell people? Um, no. 
You don't? Okay. Okay, say, say, bye. Bye.